It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Grillin' JR. And we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer himself, the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Jim, how are you, man? I'm great, Conrad. Good to see you this morning. Your cheeks are as <laughs> lush, luscious and bodacious as usual. Life is good. And, uh, it seems like, uh, we got an interesting topic today with Lex Luger. Uh, Lex is probably one of the great stories in wrestling, um, from who he was to who he is. My goodness. What a, what a person. And we're going to start from the very beginning, born in Buffalo, New York. Uh, Lawrence Fole, uh, his uh, entering into the world of pro wrestling. Like a lot of guys did back then college football. When was Lex on your radar? Uh, only when he started in Florida, or did you actually remember him as a ball player? I, when he started in Florida. Yeah. And I knew that, uh, the Florida office was very high on him. I mean, why wouldn't you be look at him? He's got the look that every promoter, you know, I mentioned this on about Wardlow the other day. We had one of our shows that I believe are somewhere. We talked about Wardlow. So I, I was somebody, hell, I don't know. Anyhow, that's how I remember shit. I don't remember who, who the hell is. I had a lot of conversations, uh, but I said something along the lines that Wardlow is what every promoter that I've ever worked for. He had the look and the basic makeup of a star, right? I think I'm right on that. Now, will he be a star? Will he be the top guy at AEW someday? I think that he's got a good chance at it. But I believe that, uh, uh, he's got all the tools and Lex Luger at that time, uh, when he started training with Matt Suda, uh, had all the tools, you know, he had he explored all of his options in football, you know, a little cup of coffee here, a little cup of coffee there, but let's not forget that we, we, we dismissed that. Like, it's not a big deal. Like you and I could go do that. Well, yeah, well, we could have had a cup of coffee. got signed. <laughs> let's mention that though. He starts at Penn state. We've got some listeners across the pond, Jim, who may not be familiar with, uh, Penn state's college football pedigree, but in the eighties, Penn state was the real deal, right? Yeah. They were, a, they were, a, uh, a juggernaut and, uh, happy Valley was a special place 
that's what they call their, their area in, uh, they're in, uh, what is that town they're in? Happy Valley. So is happy Valley. The name of the town. I don't know. That's the stadium though. State and, college. Yeah. 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 State college, Pennsylvania. So for those that aren't familiar with college football, it's a football college football powerhouse. Yes. That was led for years and years by uh, the late Joe Paterno, uh, and who died of cancer and amidst controversy, unfortunately. So, uh, Lex, he was, he came out of high school with all the credentials. And again, he was big and long and tall and, and strong. And so, you know, but I didn't catch, I didn't know about him until he got to the pro wrestling business. I wasn't a, I, I, I lived in Oklahoma and I'm a, if, if he went to Oklahoma, I could tell you all about it because I would have been more familiar with the, with the topic. So, uh, but when Matt's, I knew here's what I didn't know. I knew that when, uh, Lex was assigned to hero Matsuda, mm-hmm. that the office was very, uh, hit. They were very serious that he was going to Lex was going to be a big star. And, uh, and of course, if you remember, there was another guy that, that, uh, Matsuda trained that turned out to be a pretty good hand named Hulk Hogan. And, uh, you know, Matsuda punished Hogan and he broke his ankle or something, but Matsuda was a, a, a great guy, not because he broke Hulk's ankle folks, because he was a good man and a hell of a hand. And I grew up hating him because he was Danny Hodges, biggest rival for the NWA junior heavyweight championship. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, Lex was, uh, he had all the tools to be recruited, signed, and then get actively be, be trained by arguably as good a trainer as there was in that era in the pro wrestling business. Let's also mention that, uh, when things don't really work out at Penn state, it transfers to Miami university and Miami, the U as it was, was the top college football program for a chunk of the eighties, but his run here comes to an end. They do a road trip to Atlanta to play Georgia tech and Luger is frustrated that he is not named starter by coach Lou Saban. And, uh, in just the fifth game of the season, he snaps and trashes his hotel room and, uh, Lex's college career is over. Uh, he bounces around the, the pro football scene, does a little stint in the uh, CFL, uh, which, uh, is a path. A lot of guys took the rock Ron Simmons, a lot of Hellman. other guys. Yeah. Uh, uh, had their hand outside of the NFL, but then it all changes for Lex in 1985. He meets Bob Roop at a celebrity golfing event in Florida. And of course, Roop sees what we see and arranges for him to be trained by the man who trained Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff, Mr. Hero Matsuda. We haven't talked a lot about Bob Roop on our show. You got any Bob Roop stories or memories you can share with us? Bobby was a hell of a hand. He was a, a AAU national champion and had a very distinguished amateur uh, record. Uh, so he was a, what would be classified in the territory era, Conrad as a wrestling heel. So he would try to out wrestle you with this, using his amateur skill set, And then once the baby face, uh, gained the offensive advantage, then he would start cheating. So he was a wrestling heel and, and a good one. Now, Bobby was a good hell of a shooter. Uh, you know, I know Watts uh, coveted uh, Bob. Bob was always very intelligent. He, when he talked to Bob, he was like talking to a, a college professor or something. He was very, very cerebral. And, uh, but, but a good solid hand, he, he didn't have the, uh, 2021, uh, 
body, but he was always in great shape. And, uh, so I, I always enjoyed working with Bobby's. He was a very smart guy, well-read. So, uh, and had a good eye for talent, which, you know, Luger, that was a good, that was a good get for, for, uh, Florida when, uh, when Bobby saw Alex. So it, uh, and he wouldn't, you know, Hey, look, you got a name like Lawrence Fole. Yeah. You better be a tough son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Lawrence. Did you call me Lawrence? You mother. Why oughta. <laughs> That's tremendous. So let's jump into it. Uh, Matsuda. We've talked about him a little bit here. You know, obviously the pedigree speaks for itself. He got Orndorff going. He got Hogan going. Lex Luger is next. And, uh, I guess Lex is a fan of the old comic books because, uh, Lex Luther is probably the motivation to be Lex Luger. Did you ever hear where the, uh, for sure the story about how Lex Luger came to be? No, I think most promoters had that, that uh, insatiable, uh, desire to use, you know, whatever it's called the, you know, Lex Luger, you know, the LL or the double initials. Oh yeah. The alliteration. You. Yeah. Yeah. Alliteration. Thank you, Conrad. You're so smart. <laughs> You're so smart. Uh, so no, I don't know where the name came from. I really don't. I'm, I would believe in that era, it was largely from the office in Florida. And, uh, you know, like you said, uh, Lex Luther was the number one heel of Superman, right? Yeah. That's what you said. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, no, I don't know who gave him the name, but it worked. I mean, it's easy to remember. It's easy to say. And, uh, you know, for years I didn't know his name was Larry Fole. I just knew him as Lex. Right. And, and that's the lesson Bill Watts taught me a long time ago. You know, when you are doing these matches, the last thing you want to do is, is, uh, blurt out someone's real name. That isn't their showbiz name. Uh, cause at that, in those eras, even though you're doing stuff on tape, it was a major consideration based on the equipment, the time and money to go back and re-edit or change things or do wild lines or whatever. It was, a, it was challenging at that time. So that's why backstage or whatever, you know, I never went up to him and said, Hey, Lawrence, how you doing today? It was Lex, right? Cause I didn't want to get Lawrence in my head. They go on TV and blurt Lawrence. Well, Lawrence is looking good today. So anyway, that's, uh, that's kind of how that, how that, that all worked out. So he was always Lex to me. And I, I thought that was a pretty good name. Actually. Let's, uh, let's talk about his early beginnings here. He debuts for CWF, AKA championship wrestling from Florida, uh, the old Graham territory. And within two months, he's beating Wahoo McDaniel for the Southern heavyweight championship. This is a big deal, you know, for you to come in and, and get this vote of confidence and to beat Wahoo that early in your career. Uh, what'd you think of, uh, his, his early beginnings here? Oh, he got a big break early on and, uh, I'm sure Wahoo beat the shit out of him, but before he lost, well, he got used to some of those, uh, Wahoo McDaniel chops, which are legendary, you know, and there, it's such an impressive thing because the noise and you can lay it in and, and of course, flares made a living on that chop forever or, you know, did and, and rightfully so black Jack Mulligan was another infamous big handed chopper, uh, and Wahoo and, and black Jack were both major influences to your father-in-law. Right. 
So, uh, and not bad influences by the way. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, it was the, they, the, his look probably got him started in a bigger way than anybody I can recall. Right. You know, if you're going to be Wahoo and you've only been in the business a few weeks or for the old proverbial cup of coffee, then, uh, you know, you, the people have high hopes for you. It's just that Lex's look was so impressive, uh, that his work, his skill set, had not evolved to that level of perception. So, and he had a, you know, he didn't have a lot of different moves and all that good stuff, uh, which is not a deal breaker, yay or nay. But in any event, he's uh, he got a big break early on, and uh, and at that stage of his game, Wahoo was just a little bit more amenable. Cause law could, could have made it very difficult if he chose to, i.e. I'm going to beat your ass so that, you know, I'm not going to go down without a fight. So anyhow, that's kind of where I see he got a, he got a major push early and I can't blame Lex. You can't blame a talent for getting booked. Well, right. But the question always then comes back to you, Conrad, was he really booked? Well, mm. was he. Had his skill set advanced to the level that he could carry a main event, uh, match or a, or a significant title at that time, the Southern heavyweight title was a big deal. So, uh, too much too soon, I think would be my answer, uh, to the Lex, uh, Southern heavyweight title thing, not because he wasn't going to be good or couldn't be good. He just wasn't ready. He just, he wasn't ready. It's like, you know, everybody here in Jacksonville is talking about how good a tight end Tim Tebow is going to be. Hell, I don't know. He ain't played it yet. Let's see. So it's the same deal. It's just maybe too much too soon. We'll find out when the, when the ball gets kicked and then we'll find out when the bell rings. Let's, uh, let's briefly talk about Graham's territory for a minute. Lex debuts in October. And unfortunately, Eddie Graham lost his life in January. What was sort of the perceived feeling of Graham's territory without Eddie, you know, again, just to add context, Eddie passes away in January, nine or 10 months later, here comes Lex Luger debuting when Lex debuts. This is not the old championship wrestling from Florida. The business is changing, right? Well, Eddie was the alpha male, of the whole company, right? He built it. He starred in it. Uh, and Eddie loved the loved developing talent. He had a great eye for talent, but at one time, uh, you know, uh, it's arguable to say that, that the Florida territory wasn't the territory to be in sunshine and good weather. And, 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 uh, most of your trips were by car. Uh, there were scantily clad women on the beaches. There's no state tax as if the, our, some of our peers were very, uh, <laughs> focused on paying their taxes. Uh, so it was a, a very desirable place to be. If you didn't like to fly, you didn't have to fly unless you're booked to the Bahamas or something. Uh, even the South end of the territory in Miami, which I think they ran every Wednesday night. I'm not sure, uh, was drivable. It's a long drive, but it was drivable. So, uh, and that's why a lot of those, some of those guys got their own planes. Eddie Graham had his own plane. You know, uh, there's several guys. And then, of course, all of that is, 
was made famous by the plane crashes, right? You know, nature survived one. Luckily, Bobby Shane didn't, you know, Gary Hart was in a crash. You never was the same. So, uh, that could be a whole story in itself. Wrestlers with planes, because it's kind of a Ronnie Garvin, cowboy, Bill Watts, you know, it's, it's just a, they went on and on. But it was a great territory, Conrad, really a great territory. When I would see guys from the Watts territory, they had just come from Florida or were going to Florida. It was always with, uh, uh, positivity. It was a place to go. It was a place to be. And Eddie was just a really, really good booker, uh, eye for talent. And, you know, he, he hired good bookers and he let them do their job. Uh, Bill Watts said he got his PhD in Florida working for Eddie Graham. Wow. So, uh, so Eddie was like a guru. He was, he was really well respected by the boys. Uh, he was a man's man. You know, he, he, he sank on his back. He and professor Malenko were the two guys that I would say above all that really launched the ship for big money in Florida. Let's, uh, let's talk about his first big test. Uh, the nature boy. Rick Flair comes to town, 1986. It's battle of the belts three. You go back to battle of the belts two, which was a, a CWF, uh, sort of staple event. And it was a phenomenal match with Barry Windham that Dave Meltzer went on to call the best hour of TV he'd ever seen in professional wrestling. So a year later, it's time to make a new guy, right? And that guy in Daytona beach is Lex Luger. They got 20 minutes. It's a two out of three falls match. And anytime the world champion comes to town, uh, and, and the promoter goes your way and says, Hey, you're up next. It is a vote of confidence that this guy's going to be a big deal, right? Oh, absolutely. Of course. He had, he had the look every, as I said earlier, he had the look that every promoter coveted and, and, uh, so it didn't take a brain search to figure out. You ain't got to be, uh, Sam Muchnick or Paul Bosch to figure out but this son of a bitch has got every physical tool that you could ever want. He was big. He was an athlete. He was at an athlete. He was athletic. He wasn't a Clydesdale. He moved around pretty good. Uh, and he had that six, five frame really heavy into bodybuilding and, and his look. So, you know, I, I just think when everybody saw, including when I worked with Lex at WWE, uh, he was all the, the, the rule of thumb was. We may have our next Hogan, right? Everywhere Luger went, he was compared to Hogan and, uh, that's not fair. Hogan was not two weeks in the business before he was working major main events. He paid his dues. He worked the territories. He got to dance with a lot of different partners to a lot of different music. And he was more prepared for the, st- the stardom than Lex was because Lex just got a gut in town parked his car and oh, you're the main event. Oh, by the way, you're going over. You're going to be the champion at the end of the night. And that this didn't happen for Hogan and it, and it happened for Lex and it wasn't a real healthy thing for his career. Quite frankly, it caused a lot of heat and a lot of, uh, animosity with many talents because they're out there toiling away. They perfected their skills and they're very, very good. And they get this guy that's here because his look, and that's what the consensus was. He's only got his spot. Because he looks like a main event guy. Let, let, let me ask you, you know, do you think, 
And I know you said we've got our next Hogan and everybody knows Hogan was the biggest star in the history of the business and arguably still one of the, I don't think it's arguable. Anyway, what I was trying to get to is as great as Hogan looked, Carrie Von Eric was a body guy too. I mean, he looked mm-hmm. like he was chiseled out of granite Same and, deal. and he was the top guy for world-class. Yep. So now here comes Lex Luger, who, in my opinion, looks more like Carrie and less like Hogan with the exception of the blonde hair. But I'm curious, who do you think was sort of the, the first guy to say, okay, here's the change. Now the business is going more towards body guys again, not to disparage anybody, but a generation before it was guys who looked like Terry Funk or Harley race or Jack Briscoe. And now as we're trying to go box office and we're trying to go mainstream, they look like comic book heroes come to life, whether it's Hulk Hogan or Kerry Von Erich. And now here's Lex Luger. Who do you go back and, and say, this is the first guy who made that change? Well, I'll say this to preface that it was all about emulating Vince McMahon's theory. Uh, you know, McMahon had his Hogan. He had his superhero. There was no bigger superhero in pro wrestling than Hulk Hogan. And I think if you categorized uh, talents and he said, okay, here's our Here's our, here's our category for, uh, you know, uh, this topic, here's our category for, uh, the comic book, uh, all that Hogan would win that hands down. So, but after Hogan, uh, I would say that Luger was the next guy because Carrie, Carrie looked beautiful, was great and beautiful body, uh, and could work when motivated, no doubt about that. Cause he, he came from a wrestling family. He was around it all the time. He had a good understanding of the business. Uh, you know, this is aside from the personal shit that we get to always have to preface, you know, it's like talking about Benoit, if you talk about Benoit, the wrestler, then okay. But if you talk about Benoit, the human being based on the last 48 hours of his life, it's not a very good argument, unfortunately, sadly. So, uh, but I would say Luger's right there, Conrad, he, cause he was, he was six, four. He, st- he, st- he stood above everybody in that regard. And he had that great body that he worked his ass off to achieve. Uh, he was like, well, he was on steroids. Who the fuck wasn't on steroids? Right. Seriously. And, and if so, in some areas of that, some places they weren't, they weren't illegal. So, and, and so I, I don't know, man, I, I think Luger is part of that guy that was the prototype of what we want. If we're going to ever replace Hogan or get our own Hogan, we've got to get somebody that's, ex- that's got an extraordinary physique that turns heads in airports, which is one of Vince's big deals. But the, you go back and filter all that bullshit through and you find out everybody's just trying to emulate McMahon. Right. I don't know that Eddie Graham would have ever tried to emulate Vince. I think Eddie was going to dance to the beat of his own drum. He's going to play with the players that he had that he trusted and he liked and Eddie's territory is a little bit of wild west, but he'd also had the the Briscoe's Jack Briscoe's home territory. So you start there and you see that Eddie liked quality over quantity. So I don't know that Eddie would have been a a big, uh, advocate of Lugers at that time. And at least until he got his skill set up Conrad, where he could, you know, do this, do the basic things and do them very, very well. Hey man, let me give you a little life hack just in time for mother's day and father's day. I'm talking about paintyourlife.com. 
That's the place where you can get a gift that mom or dad will never forget. Real quick, do you remember what you got mom or dad last year for Mother's Day or Father's Day? Well, here's how you give a gift that they'll never forget. You find something that's meaningful, something that's personal. Maybe we're talking about their mom or dad who's no longer here. Maybe it's about a long lost relative. Maybe it's about their favorite pet who's no longer with us. Maybe there was always this dream that mom and dad were going to vacation to some exotic tropical island, but they never quite made it there. Well, all of those dreams can become reality at paintyourlife.com. You simply upload those photos. You can even use a photo right out of your phone. They can even help you combine photos to create one unique memory. You'll pick the artist. You'll even pick the medium. Hey, do you want an oil, acrylic, watercolor, charcoal? You can even pick the frame. The whole process is less than five minutes to get started. You can get it in as little as two weeks, but along the way you work hand in hand to ensure that the artist is nailing it. They're getting exactly what you wanted and you're going to get that reaction you wanted from mom or dad. I'm telling you, this has been a home run for me. I've used it for my mom, for my dad, for my father-in-law, for my cousin, for my wife. It's great for any occasion, but with mother's day and father's day right around the corner, how do we show the people who gave us everything that we really care? I don't think you can beat a meaningful gift like this from paintyourlife.com. And if you're looking to give the best and most meaningful gift you've ever given, paintyourlife.com can hook you up. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. You can get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. Now to get this special offer, just text the word Ross to 87204. That's Ross to 87204. Text R-O-S-S to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. It's interesting to think about sort of the, what ifs I really like that uh, aspect of our shows. We could go back and sort of wonder what if, and what if Eddie hadn't passed away in January of 85, would Luger have enjoyed the same success? I'm curious if he would have bounced around to another territory. Um, of course, I unlikely. your, your old pal, Bill Watts really loved the, the football pedigree. Uh, mm-hmm. that's been well-documented. But Luger was not an amateur wrestler. Do you think Cowboy would have given a second look to Luger? If Eddie had given him to him, he would have. But I I don't think Eddie would have given up Luger. All Eddie would have done was slow down the process, Conrad. I see. Slow down the... the, Let's develop this kid so he doesn't develop bad habits. So he doesn't go out there in front of a live-paying audience and have bad performances. So I don't think Eddie would have uh, forsaken Luger but he would, he would have drastically slowed down Luger's progress. It would have taken Alexa a lot longer to get into those main events and to beat a Wahoo McDaniel for the Southern title, et cetera, et cetera, uh, until he was more fundamentally prepared and cowboy cowboy was like any promoter. If he thought he could draw money with Luger, he'd book him. Of course he would book him, but I don't think Eddie would have given him up that, that quickly. Now he and Watts may have worked out a deal and they did. 
on other talents where, you know, Eddie mid South was a territory that, uh, that, that a lot of guys would go to from Florida to freshen up, right? Six months, a year, whatever it may be. And then, you know, talents did what they were asked to do and you're booked here and here's your start date. Here's your end date. And, uh, and you're going to learn a lot from cowboy because cowboy was a disciple of Eddie Graham. So when you got the guy back into Florida, he wasn't taught something completely foreign. He was taught Eddie's basic philosophies only from the mouth and the head and the, and the, uh, of a uh, cowboy. So, uh, I, I just don't think Eddie would have let a good talent, uh, a potential talent, because again, you can't replicate the look every day. You just can't. And, uh, look is, is the looks business. Uh, and even though you know, Eddie did drew money with the guys that didn't have great bodies, you know, Bugsy McGraw's not going to win any bodybuilding contest. No Bugsy sold tickets. Dusty Rhodes, by the way, has never been on the cover of, uh, muscle and fitness, All right? But he damn sure been on the cover of a lot of wrestling magazines because he sold tickets. So, uh, and, and the, and then he was a heel there. And the Watts convinced Eddie to turn dusty baby face. And that worked out pretty good. Let's mention the, uh, the crazy incident that wrestling fans still talk about to this day. I think it's January of 87, the old Lex Luger bruiser Brody cage match from Florida. It became a, a tape trading legend. I think, uh, former ECW manager, Bill Alfonso here in this era, he is a, um, uh, a referee and he's the referee for that match. Did you see the tape or did you hear about the incident? what did you think of that? I heard about the incident, but I have not seen the tape. Uh, you know, uh, Brody, these controversial issues where Brody was, uh, imposing his will, it wasn't a new deal. It wasn't new. It wasn't a new concept. Oh my God, this never happened before. Bullshit. Have it all the time. Uh, and, and Frank was a strong willed businessman and, uh, so I didn't see the tape though. Did you see it? Yeah, it was something to see. You know, it feels like Brody just decided, Hey, uh, this doesn't work for me, brother. And, uh, just stop selling anything and everything. And before you know it, Luger's running for his life, but he's not long for the Florida territory He's going to jump to uh, Jim Crockett promotions in early 87. He's going to be called the total package. And he's almost immediately associated with Ric Flair, but not exactly being part of the horseman. And the talk of, of wrestling forever has been that Vince is the body guy, but yet here's Lex in JCP. And that's, you know, you go back and you look at the great wrestlers there, whether they're Arn Anderson or Tully Blanchard or Ole Anderson, or, you know, who could forget the rock and roll express for the midnight express. Th- those guys are not exactly body guys. No. Why don't you think Luger was on Vince's radar here? I'm not saying he wasn't. He just may have been contractually obligated to JCP and, uh, and the fact that they were dangling that horseman distinction in front of him might've, you know, that that's automatic man events. It's automatic, more money. Right. And, you know, and, you know, again, I said it before many times, it's not, a, it's when they say it's not about the money, it's all about the money. Of course. These guys are independent contractors. They got to maximize their minutes. Uh, they got to, they got to get out there and, 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 and impress. So, uh, I don't know, man. I, I just think that I'm sure Luger was on Vince's radar, not unlike, uh, uh, when Vince saw the Dingo warrior, 
you know, you see if somebody sends a tape or one of the guys in the office says, uh, you know, probably like a Howard Finkel kind of a guy, God bless him. Uh, would Howard watched everything. If he saw somebody that he thought Vince might be interested in, then he brought it to his attention. I'm assuming that's kind of the way that, uh, that, uh, uh, that we were, we were taught that, that that was assuming it was that way with Dingo warrior after just watching his biography here a while back, not too long ago. What was that this weekend? Yeah. Uh, as yeah. you and I record, it was just yesterday. And yeah. uh, of course this Thursday night, AKA tonight, you'll be able to see dark side of the ring, which you're featured on, uh, talking about the uh, ultimate warrior. And you have some great one-liners in there that is going to get the internet all fired up. So oh God, click well, bait, here we come. Yeah. I didn't make the edit on, uh, the warriors, uh, a and E I'm not real. I'm not aside from, uh, Pillman. Did they do a Pillman interview? No, Pillman? that was dark side. Okay. Uh, but they did do this. The stone cold one. I, you made the cut on that one. I made a cut on that one. And I thought they did a phenomenal job of that. And not just simply because I made the edit. I thought, you know, Steve had such a strong hand and, 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 uh, creative, some creative control, I think in that regard, it seems like it anyway, but I thought that was really good. I wasn't crazy about, uh, the savage. No, it sucked. Yeah. I wasn't, it was, I didn't like that. I, you know, I've never, I was never a major fan personally of Randy Savage. Cause uh, he was a problem for me at times and it may have been me. So, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna, it was all him and I, I didn't do anything wrong. It was all my fault. I didn't know. No, I just, it, we had personality issues. Uh, I had no personality and he had a big one. Uh, but I, I didn't, I, I, I thought that the, the, uh, the warrior documentary was it just seemed like a office. It seemed like a WWE piece. It was very, you know, uh, you know, Vince fired the guy four, three or four times. So he fired me three or four times. So I guess that's not a big issue, but anyway, I, uh, Luger was Luger was on uh, the radar question. I digressed, obviously. I'm sorry that uh, I thought Luger was probably on the, everybody's radar. He looked too good. Conrad, he's too statuesque. He was perfect. He was physically perfect for this business. Well, his first promo here for Jim Crockett promotions, he says, I'm going to be become a member of the horseman one day. And, uh, I, I don't think you could probably say anything other than they're, they're lining Luger up for a big push. They're strapping the rocket to him, brother. He's getting that almighty push. And of course we know Ole Anderson's going to get kicked out of the horseman and replaced with Lex Luger. And there's no one better at this point in time, probably for Luger to learn on the road with and flair Dylan, Arn, and Tully. Right. But what, what do you think Ole thought of the creative of I'm out and Lex Luger's in? Well, Ole would been probably have the old school philosophy of this all about his body. Yeah. The guy can't work or lick blah, blah, blah. And you know, Ole was always going to look at a glass half empty anyway, more often than not. Now, if you're asking me who was a better worker. Ole Anderson or Lex Luger and right at that point in time, well, that's easy. Ole was a better worker, but they saw something in Lex. They wanted to put him in this group that could protect him. If he was willing to listen and, uh, and, 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 uh, and use the information and the things he's being taught, then he, he had a chance to be really, really great. And, uh, you know, Ole just would not have 
agreed with that. It throws me back to what I've said about Eddie Graham. Ole and Eddie Graham's philosophies, Conrad, were, I would say, very similar. So Ole didn't like Lex getting his promotion and getting his, uh, his push, for God's sakes. You must have that in life. Uh, and uh, so I don't know. I, I think that, uh, I think that uh, Eddie and Ole's comp- uh, feelings toward Lex would have been in the same kettle of fish. It has been similar. He was not ready. He's only getting this push because he's, uh, he's got a great, he's a bodybuilder and he's, he's, uh, artificially enhanced and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, that's kind of what I think about that deal. I don't think Oli was happy with that deal at all. Look, Oli's a businessman. You're you're getting taken out of the most prom, uh, dominant heel group in the business, which is, means it's got to affect your income. Right. So I think Ole, based on that assumption, was not happy with it. He didn't seem to be happy with it to me when I was around. Talk to me a little bit about when you first meet Lex Luger. Is it 87? I think so. I think it was a Crockett, uh, acquisition. Yeah. Uh-huh. So when, uh, when, when Watts, uh, sold, we sold and, uh, I got hired by Jimmy to be, a on this broadcast team there in JCP, uh, which I've always appreciated because it gave me my spot on TBS, which let me be introduced to my work anyway, to be introduced to a lot of new people. Yeah. Uh, so I've always been grateful for that. And, uh, but I think there's where I met Lex. I always thought, thought he was, I don't know. Sometimes he didn't seem like he was comfortable being around people. Uh, and I might be wrong. When I say that, I'm not, uh, I, but it didn't seem like he was a uh, real personable, not real out, out, not real outgoing extroverted. He was not, but uh, again, you know, you, you take your breath when he's seen with his shirt off and, uh, just walking around backstage in his tights, his boots, uh, nobody else looked like him, man, but he, he just, sometimes he didn't seem like he had the sense of a sense of urgency that you would like to see in an up and coming star, but, uh, but he was not rude or anything along those lines. I just think he had a different personality. Everybody can't be Nate. Yeah. Everybody can't have all those horsemen guys have big personalities. Arn Anderson can have a conversation with, um, me and you about anything. Yeah. Totally. Same way. They're different guys. And Lex was just a little bit introverted. I think because he had such high expectations of himself and he, how he looked in this crazy business of pro wrestling that, uh, you know, he was just, he was just, uh, you know, he was, he was a little unsure of himself. Sure. And I think the insecurities there affected his personality and how he interacted with others. Doesn't mean he was wrong. That's just his natural personality. So he had to come out of that natural personality, uh, with those promos. And, you know, his promos progressively and maybe too slowly for some started getting better. I want to mention, you know, we, we talked about him, uh, traveling with the horseman. He wrote in his book, my life in wrestling that he thought he could have learned more and absorbed more when he was with the horseman. Is that just more of what you talked about a moment ago, too much, too soon. You know, he didn't really, he hadn't been around the business enough to realize, Hey man. I'm in a pretty prime spot right here. Well, yeah. Uh, 
I think it, it kind of cover, covered up some of his insecurities. A lot of guys that want to see that let, let us or their, their peers see their vulnerabilities. Uh, and I think Lex is kind of that way. You know, he'd always, he'd been a big star, high school football star, you know, recruited by the biggest, best universities in America to play football as a lineman. Uh, so, uh, I just think that he didn't want to basically fess up the fact that I, Hey, I'm greener than grass, man. Right. I'm not even sure why I'm in this group because my skill set is far from my teammates in this particular entity. So I think that was part of his issue too. Just a prize athlete. just like a, you know, he's, he was, he was like secretary or something. He was just bigger, stronger, faster, but he still didn't have the skill set. Cause he had not had time. He'd been pushed so quickly. There's that word again, Conrad push. He got pushed so quickly and so strongly that it, it was unnatural, quite frankly, but thanks to the guys and the, the other, his, his horseman teammates, uh, they did take pretty good care of him. They would, uh, they would isolate him and give him a certain set of spots to do on a comeback. So if Lex is going to be involved in a tag match, uh, then his part of the tag match would generally be, uh, delivering clotheslines and body slams and things like that. Not just those things, but things like that. And I think he just was trying to hide in the crowd a little bit so that he didn't get overexposed that he wasn't the, he wasn't Ric Flair. Right. Or it wasn't Tully, Tully, uh, Blanchard or Arn Anderson. And then of course, then you had, you mentioned JJ. JJ Dillon, JJ was a great coach mentor. He was the, uh, rudder in the water. And so the more that uh, Lex would have been able to listen to JJ and accept that knowledge without questioning it, uh, the better off he's going to be. I'm not so sure. And I might be wrong here. I'm not so sure that happened on a regular basis. No, I mean, he acknowledged that he thought he could have did a better job there. Uh, Crockett 87 comes down to dusty and Nikita against Tully and Luger before the finals in Baltimore. Magnum makes his first appearance in six months following his, uh, terrible crash in his Porsche. And he's going to support dusty and Nikita here, who of course wind up victorious, uh, dusty pins Tully. Uh, how big of a match do you think in hindsight, it could have been one day Magnum versus Luger good versus evil, the two good looking dudes from the future, huh? Yeah. I've been great. Yeah. It's been a great matchup and, and, uh, uh, Terry Allen, Magnum TA would have been, would have had the patience and the skill set, and like uh, age group, uh, to communicate well with Lex and maybe get Lex in a, in a comfortable spot that he knew that everything they called was, was things that he could, that, that Lex could execute. So it would have been money. You know, it'd been, it'd been Lex Luger versus a red hot Luger against a red hot Magnum TA, nothing but money. They're building towards Nikita versus Luger for the U S title, but it takes months to put together sort of old school. Uh, Lex is a part of the very first war games at the Omni where dusty Nikita, the road warriors and Paul Ellering would take on the horsemen. Of course, Hawk would make JJ submit, uh, but Luger being in that match, the very first war games, it's a nice little footnote in history for a relatively newcomer. Yeah. Well, again, 
they're booking for the future. Yeah. And they put Lex in situations that would be, allow him to shine, uh, or to have cre- more credibility and credence because he's actually in the match. So I'm, uh, I'm thinking that again, you just keep looking back at Lex's career and he got a lot of breaks and being booked in the first war games. I think Shivani and I call that first war games. If I'm not mistaken. I might be wrong about that. Finally in Greensboro, Luger wins the U S title from Nikita in a steel cage match on July 11th. And at this moment, the horsemen have all the titles. Of course, Arnold Tully are the tag champs, Rick's the world champ. And now Luger is the U S champ. Is this another example of, of too much too soon, or based on the context of him being with the horsemen, this is right on time. Well, it's arguable. Uh, I think this is from the fundamental standpoint, uh, storytelling, uh, it ring psychology, pacing, th- those things. It was still a little bit too much too soon. Uh, but the genie was out of the bottle. As they say, if they say that, hell, I don't know. I've never really much say that in my fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> the genie's out of the bottle. Uh, Lex is uh, out there and he got exposed and, 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 and you know, he, he just, it was too late to start over. You can't, you can't, you can't retreat when you got somebody that you're getting that, that's getting that big a push because that would have affected in a negative way, uh, three of your biggest commodities, the, uh, Rick, Arn and Tully. And they were, you know, those guys had as much to do with, uh, the Crockett territory being very profitable in that year as anybody, because they had heat, they were wrestling heels. Uh, they could talk. So, uh, I think they put Lex in good company where you can almost where he can be protected, but I'll, I'll always say that I think that in, unfortunately, uh, and I don't mean this in a, in a, in a bad way, it was a little too much too soon. Conrad, he, he was still on his infancy, you know, he needed five years or so Lex I'm speaking of to, to be put on that. You could protect him for, for a few years without a doubt, because it's just a matter of who you book him with. You book him the great heel that can tell a story and keep him and lead him along. Uh, in a positive way. And by the time he got three, four or five years under his belt with a good quality opponent, he probably would have been, uh, ready to launch his own ship. Let's talk about what's next for Luger here. Uh, Starcade 87, which you and I have covered is the first pay-per-view for Jim Crockett promotions. And of course, Vince sabotaged it with, uh, some power plays with the cable systems. And of course, creating survivor series either way. That day it's dusty versus Luger in a steel cage match for the U S title. And, uh, dusty gets the win. It goes 16 minutes and uh, Meltzer would say the step was if Rhodes lost, he'd have to quit wrestling for 90 days. Rhodes got a 50, 50 mix of cheers and booze. Although Lex was mainly booed in hindsight. Do you think this was the right call to have, you know, our baby face victorious over Luger? I mean, there's a lot of criticism of dusty in this era that. He's past his prime. His weight's gotten out of control. Uh, he's grasping at straws as the booker. He's pushing himself too much, whatever. But then there's Luger who a lot of people say, oh, he's not ready. He's a body guy. He's not this great performer, but either way, it's the biggest show in Crockett history or so they hope. And uh, Dusty gets his hand raised. what do you think of that creative? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, it's, it's arguable. You can make a good argument for Dusty going over. You can make a good argument for Luger going over. Uh, if you're trying to build Luger, you can't build him by beating him. He doesn't know how to lose yet. He doesn't know how to take care of himself. Conrad Conrad, there's a way you lose, man. It's just not, you go out there and do your thing. Oh, I missed something. Boom. One, two, three. Yeah. That shit. Don't, that shit. Don't flush for me. Yeah. It's a process. It's a presentation and you've got to have experience and you've got to have, uh, I mean, in game, in ring live experience. And, you know, Lex have been in that group and have been protected and to get him in there with dusty, even though dusty's game plan was very, uh, basic as I recall. So you can look at it either way. You know, uh, uh, if they thought they meaning JCP thought that Lex was skill set was to the level that it could be the, the guy, then he would have gone over, I think, but that I don't think everybody had the thought at that time that, that he was ready. And I think that's why dusty went over. Well, after this Luger chooses to quit the horseman, uh, he eliminates JJ to uh, win the bunkhouse stampede. And now he's a full fledged baby face. Uh, of course we've got the whole big, uh, beat down that happens at clash of the champions and they bloody Luger up. What do you remember about, uh, Luger being all decked out in white on the back of the white limousine. And I think as the legend goes, he had never, uh, he had never done the gig before. So he had JJ help him out. Do you remember this being something where the guys are like, Oh, let's see how it goes. What do you remember about that? Well, I didn't know all those intimate details at the time because it wouldn't affect my job whatsoever. Right. Uh, how he got his color or when he got his color or whatever, I, uh, would not have been on my agenda to know. Uh, but look, that's not unusual. Yeah. Having somebody else cut you. Of course. You know, I did a thing on Monday night raw one time. It might've been with the, I'm trying to think somebody cut me. I've been cut a couple of times. Of course, the most famous mutilation was Austin and that, uh, that fucking scaffold or scaffold, what do you call it? Uh, scalpel. Uh, yeah. Scalpel. Yeah. But I think, I think Arn helped me out one time cause Arn made a great blade. Uh, but that's not unusual. He's green. It was an important angle. You didn't want to take any chances. You got to give him a little, you wanted him more comfortable. <laughs> Pardon me. Uh, one him, meaning Luger more as comfortable as you could get him, uh, in a very important, uh, angle. 
And so JJ being there to help out is, is probably was, was really, I think necessary. And, and a lot of guys don't want it to happen. They want to be macho. They want to be, you know, big time. I can do my, I get my own color, blah, blah, blah. If you could get your own color really good, then they wouldn't have to have somebody there to help you. And it's not a, and it's not a frigging knock that you have issues sticking a razor blade in your head and cutting yourself. Makes you normal, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If that means anything anymore. Well, I'm just so, saying it, it, whatever he, whatever other profession he was going into, that would never have been something that he had to get. No, probably with. not. Yeah. It, you know, it's a counting office. <laughs> Show me your color. <laughs> so what's next for Luger is a tag team with Barry Windham. They're put together and they're going to challenge Arn and Tully for the NWA tag team titles at clash of the champions. Uh, but of course, as you know, Wyndham's going to turn on Luger in a match, Arn and Tully get the titles back. And now Barry Wyndham is joining the horseman. Yeah. Uh, th- there's a lot of talk and debate about, especially in this era, three guys, sting Luger and Wyndham. Who was ready? When were they ready? Lots of people were debating, Hey, Flair's time is up. We need to try this. And of course, eventually they wind up trying all three. I think by the time they actually gave Barry a shot in 93, you know, maybe, you know, the fandom and the support that Barry had from the late eighties was gone or not what, maybe what it once was, but do you think if the, if you had to go back in time, you would have done it any differently or would you have kept the belt on Flair the whole time? Well, uh, I I'm a flair guy, so I probably would have kept the belt on flair all the while knowing that he's not going to be a heel much longer because he's beloved. He's like the old pair of house shoes. Yeah. Here's a good clickbait for you. Conrad Ross calls flair old pair of house shoes. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'll help you out there. Guys click your ass off. You leeching motherfucker. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm a. I want to go with what brought me to the dance, but the, if you're asking about skill sets and in ring abilities, it's Wyndham. Wyndham hands down. Yeah. Wyndham going into the horseman made that a awesome group. It's an awesome group in my view. Uh, they had chemistry. All, all those guys could wrestle, could work. Uh, I just loved it. I think I, I love that was my favorite incarnation of the horseman the Barry Wyndham in the group. Cause I, I knew they no matter what match I was going to call that they were involved in, it would have quality. It would be logical. It makes sense. And so, and Barry at one time was, you know, Conrad, look, I don't know where, how old you were at that point in time, but at one time, man, Barry Wyndham was considered as good as there was. Yeah. In 86, 87, a lot of people thought he might be the best wrestler in the world. Yeah. Oh, I'll get that. Can't start that topic again. <laughs> I think Kenny Omega is the best wrestler in the world. Conrad, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I didn't mean that Conrad. You know, I'm kidding it. I love you and your cheeks. All, all four of them. That's another, that's a joke from cheers. Hey, Norm, what's shaking all four cheeks and a couple of chins. I love that. Yeah, that's a good one. So, uh, but oh, yeah, I, I liked uh, Barry in that group a lot, a lot. And to me, if the office had thought that Barry was a little bit more reliable, because Barry was a kind of a maverick, uh, Barry would have very easily been my choice to, to take the spot from flair at least for a while. Right. 
because you knew that the main events were going to be outstanding. You know, nobody's nature, but Barry Wyndham was damn sure close to it. Well, what's next is Luger and Singh team together to win the, uh, Crockett cup. They beat Arne Tully in the finals at this point in real life are, are Sting and Lex, uh, best of friends. I mean, we know later they're going to own a gym together in Atlanta and be big buds, but is that already the case here in early 88? You know, I'm not sure it wouldn't surprise me. So I, I would venture to say, yes, they were buddies. Cause they both, uh, love to work out train, you know, they were both gym guys and hence what you just said, they invested in a gym main event fitness there in Atlanta over the, over, you know, at one point in time. So I would say yeah, the, the, I'm not sure about the answer, but I'm guessing. Yes. They, they had, they had a lot in common so, you know, age, age thing, uh, experience level, all those things. And sting was another guy that was a little bit like Lex in the sense that, uh, at one point, all of a sudden, boom, he explodes and he's given a, a, a huge push when one could argue that the sting wasn't quite ready for that push either, but sometimes you get called into duty and, and you got to go play. So, uh, it, it seemed like it worked out the best for everybody along the way, but, uh, but I think those guys are both. Uh, they, they, neither, neither guy was a big, were big drinkers. They weren't, I don't know that they were drug guys whatsoever, you know, uh, uh, party drugs. Right. I know what you mean. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that they probably were buddies. They had a lot, they had too much in common that subsequently led to a business relationship. Well, it's time for Lex's big push. You know, we talked about, should it be sting? Should it be Barry? Lex gets the nod first. He's headlining a pay-per-view. It's great American bash, 1988. They go 23 minutes and 13 seconds. Jim and I have done a long episode on this entire show, including the main event that Meltzer gave two and a half stars. But of course it feels like, Hey, the rack is on and Ric Flair must've submitted because they're ringing the bell. We've got a new world champion. When in fact, it's actually the athletic commission stopping the match due to blood loss, but there wasn't significant bleeding in hindsight. Is this sort of, uh, one of the, uh, one of the straws that broke the camel's back for Jim Crockett promotions. Do you think it feels like they turned off Baltimore that night in a major way? Well, you know, Conrad, I, I hated that finish. Uh, anytime your fan base leaves disappointed. Uh, and they're frustrated. The, the thing about, here's the deal. The thing about the, and if it happened today, it would have been an, it would have been a great train wreck, uh, because there's so much more information flow out there. Thanks to social media for better or for worse. Right. But Luger didn't get enough color to make the, you know, a bandaid would have fixed that. Right. It wasn't in physical danger. And it was a formality that the, uh, hard to get along with at times, Baltimore, uh, Maryland commission, uh, you know, that's been noteworthy for things like that in the, in the past. So, uh, I didn't like to finish at all. I don't understand. And every time you get wrestlers involved, every time may be too much more often than not, when wrestlers are involved in their finishes and they are the last vote heard or the last sentiment heard on a finish that ironically, oh, get this involves them. We take the shortcuts.
because their egos are so fragile. Uh, they're so sensitive, bless their hearts that they got to protect themselves. Well, now in I fairness, it- this is probably not Luger protecting himself. This is probably dusty making sure he can come back with return matches, but it was just, well, I'm not blaming Luger on it. The office made this decision to use that finish. Right. And in theory, I can understand the, the logic behind it, but in execution, it's a mess. It was a mess. It yeah. missed. It was a mess. It was a shits. <laughs> and, and sometimes, you know, here's the deal, man. You can get over the shits. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of what the theory was. Well, as, it, as, as we heard the audience, our audience uh, says it's not very good. We don't like the way the show ended. We don't believe we got our, our money's worth, which tells you they, they came to see the main event and the main event let them down. So I'm not blaming Lex on the finish cause he didn't do the finishes, but the office, you know, it's one of those old wild west, uh, you know, things where, you know, the guy gets thrown over the top rope, the second referee sees it. There's a disqualification. It's on the delayed call and it sucks ass. It's just terrible. So I didn't like that at all. I don't know who, I don't know who it helped. I really don't. Do you think it didn't help dusty? No, it didn't help Lex. No. So, so what do we accomplish? We accomplish shit and all shit's good for is fertilizer. Let it me help things grow. Uh, let and, me ask in terms of this finish, what would you have done? I mean, would you have just avoided Luger in the main event with flair? Because you felt like fans were ready for it. And you as the promoter, aren't ready to put your, your business in his hands, or would you have done a different finish and just have the horseman cheat or some such? I, I would have had the horseman had played the numbers game yeah, where the baby face was, was faced with insurmountable odds and the announcers would tell a good story and Luger was never quit. He never gave up. He fought his ass off, but the numbers caught up with him. They're called the four horsemen for a reason. There's four of those bastards. There's one Lex. I would look like Lex is going to pull this thing out and all of a sudden kaboom, something goes down for an object, whatever it may be. And he got screwed and you can tell that story much more vividly and easier than trying to explain a trinket or two of blood. Cause that was the premise. Well, this guy's bleeding. Yeah. But the intent of the, the rule is to make sure that somebody doesn't, they're not, they're not injured and they're bleeding. Well, you know, this is just a trickle down. It's like a shaving cut, right? It just didn't, it didn't work for me. So I would have, I'd have had the, uh, I, I would have had a finish and I would have beat Lex, but I would have beat Lex with the help of the Calvary. Sure. And, and, and give him the out that he needed just to preserve his push and his, 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 uh, uh advancement. But, uh, th- that, finish just, you know, and look, if you told me that what you're going to do, uh, before the show, which they didn't, which is fine. I didn't, didn't want to know, didn't need to know, uh, I might've said, well, that sounds interesting. That might work. I've seen matches stop because of too much blood, of course, but it's too much blood. Not, not enough. Yeah. No. So, uh, didn't like the finish at all. I don't think it helped anybody. And when you're, when you're booking a finish, you got to figure out, okay, now who all did we help here? Who all did we continue to advance or have we failed? I think on that finish, it was a failure. Let's talk about how they run it back. Starcade. We see flair pin Luger. He's holding the ropes. And a lot of people think 
that if you're not going to do the switch at Starcade, you have effectively cut the knees out from under Lex Luger or any baby face. Is it hard for a baby face to keep coming up short and continue to be pushed as a top guy in your opinion? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's even harder in today's world, even though everybody knows kind of what's going on, you know, they want to get lost in the match fans do today. Yeah. We haven't, we, as fans haven't changed that much. Yeah. You and I are in this, we're in the, this business, but we still enjoy seeing a great match. Yes. And a contest that kind of takes us away from reality and lets us, lets us immerse ourselves in the entire fabric of pro wrestling. And, uh, but you got it at the end of the day. Okay. Now, who did we help here? What did we forward? You can't go to, you can't go to Geneva and be neutral in Switzerland here. You got to declare something, but absolutely, man, that's the thing about, and we've seen it on TV shows all the time. I'm glad that, you know, Tony Khan's got a little different personality and theory of that philosophy. And, and that is, you know, it doesn't hurt to have winners and losers. I mean, we saw Miro submit, uh, our, our boy, uh, uh, Darby Allen. Allen. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, in the old days, I did an interview just the other day with UFC fight pass. And I said, one of the things that the MMA has influenced pro wrestling in one way is that the baby faces now in pro wrestling can lose by submission. And it's not considered the unpardonable sin. Yes. Cause back in the old days, you got to slip on the banana peel. You got to get somebody, hold the ropes, hold the tights, something along those lines, uh, to make it work. And anybody should be able to lose to anybody else's finish. Yeah. But the, but when you get wrestlers involved in too, too deeply involved in, in creative, and they're essentially making the final decision, they're going to take that easy way out because they perceive that'll help preserve their push, help preserve their image, their personas. And I disagree with that wholeheartedly, especially in today's world, fans want to see conclusions and they want to see definitive winners. And if you're smart enough, booking wise, you've got a plan, you got a roadmap, you know, your destination and along that, that route, along that journey, sometimes you gotta, you gotta do the honors and it's not like doing the honors is this. Oh my God. You just kill this guy. You beat him Horse shit. That's stupid. But I will tell you what isn't stupid is you can't go on. You know, uh, I win one, I lose one. I, I win two, I lose one. I, whatever. There's gotta be some momentum involved in this equation. Yeah. And Luger at that, that time, his momentum was cut out from under him. Yeah. The stop and start shit doesn't work. No. So Luger's now refocused on the U S title, uh, after defeating, uh, Barry Windham for it and trades the title back with Michael PS Hayes. Chat me up, Jim. What'd you think of this renewed push of doot, doot, doot as a singles performer, no longer the heater in a trio. Well, I saw an interview I did with Michael, not too long after that, uh, on, on air TV interview, somebody sent to me on Twitter. Uh, he did a great promo. That's one thing about Michael. When Michael as a champion, he is the epitome of the chicken shit heel. Yes. And that's not a negative. No, oh, it's called hey, chicken shit. No, it's, it's a term. Yeah. I talked about Bob Root being a wrestling heel. 
I talk and I'm talking about Michael Hayes being a chicken shit heel. He cheated to gain unfair advantages. Buddy Landell was a great chicken shit heel. For example, there's a lot of them, tons of buddy Rogers was a chicken shit heel. So, uh, no, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the, uh, of, uh, that positioning, that posturing, quite frankly. Um, but Hayes was look, it was, a, it was, uh, it hit the restart, button. that's what it did. Yeah. And he always knew that Michael, if, if he could get out of the match with his title, his interviews were going to be main event level, no matter what. Right. Cause Hayes could cut a wrestling promo as good as anybody around. Uh, for many, many years. And so, uh, I saw that I was a little surprised because Michael heretofore have been kind of featured, but you know, uh, it's worth a try. We weren't setting the world on fire to box office. So, you know, it was Hayes uh, moving into that spot was worth a try because at least you knew that he had name identity. He knew how to work. He was a classic chicken shit heel. And above all for Michael is that he could cut a promo as good as anybody in the business at that time. Let's keep it rolling and talk about uh, Luger turning heel on Ricky steamboat and, uh, regain his title, a great American bash. Uh, Luger's working. Some of the best wrestlers of all time, certainly the best of the era flair and steamboat. Are you thinking at this point, his in-ring work is progressing? Yeah, it's progressing, but it's hard to be, if you're uh, of the greenish uh, uh, flavor or, or color being a heel is more challenging than being a baby face. The subtleties of being a great heel and knowing how to win, knowing how to lose, knowing how to cheat, knowing how to wh- whatever you're going to do, uh, as a heel, uh, is more daunting to me. I may be wrong, uh, than being a baby face. All a baby face got to do is learn how to sell really, really good. Never give up and have a good finish. He doesn't have to worry a lot about psychology. If you're a good seller, if you sell in levels, if you if you register, you know, you're not, you're not going to sell a jab as much as you are a big roundhouse right hand. Uh, and you know, you're just not, you got to learn to sell in, in levels and, and, and that takes a little skill and, and, uh, and, and time. So I don't think, I think Lex is always better suited to be a baby face, but again, it seemed like it was a a sense of urgency, Conrad, we got to figure out something to do with it. He's, he looks too good not to be on top and he looks too good not to be being used as a main eventer. So what's next for Lex is, uh, the Starcade 89 Ironman tournament. And I think you wrote in your book that this was your idea. It's flair Luger sting and great Muda. And the concept is it's going to be a sports-like tournament. And I think you wrote that it wasn't supported by the creative team or the wrestlers themselves. Why do you think that was? Because somebody's got to lose I see. more than once. It's a round robin tournament. Everybody wrestled each other one time. And I think that, uh, well, how are we going to work? What we do? I guess we're going to do a lot of DQs or count outs or whatever. No, not really. If you're, if you're good, if you're highly skilled enough, you know how to lose. And if you're, are you saying that you're above losing to this other guy's finish? Who's a man event guy like you are. They don't, they don't flush with me. So but here's the other thing about that. The, the booking committee could not come up with a better idea. Hmm. And you know, we, we, we didn't have a concept for that particular pay-per-view. 
So I threw that idea out there. Everybody had the opportunity to, to rebut, but instead of rebutting and coming up with a better idea, it was a lot easier to go tell the guys on the booking committee, go tell their buddies in the, in the locker room, boy, this is a fucking idea. Goddamn JR is crazy because you know, it all came down to who's going to do the honors and several of you are going to do the honors. That's the same time we had that, the tag team tournament, right? Isn't that the same, same deal? I think that was a different show. You think so? Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was, but we did the same thing in the tags. Yeah. We did the same thing in the tags, Conrad. And, and, uh, it, it, it created dream match scenarios because it wasn't a matter of the winners advance and the losers go home. It was a, there's a little point system that kind of made sense. I thought, uh, and so you have to, you have to keep winning and, and it's inevitable that somewhere along the way, I'll put it this way. It's going to be very hard for anybody to go through the damn tournament and not, not lose a match. And I didn't have a problem with that, but some of the guys had a problem with it, had a problem losing a fictional match. Can you fucking believe that? No, this shit is showbiz. Yeah. I don't want to be a cowboy. I want to be an Indian. You know, come on. It's just ego and insecurity. And, and, uh, so then when guys from the booking committee go stir the shit with their buddies, just for the sake of stirring the shit, that's all, but okay. Then give me a better idea. We got to do a pay-per-view. I'm sorry. So what's your idea? Nobody was ready with back and forth book Luger. He's up, he's down, he's in, he's a baby face. He's a heel, whatever, you know, you had your, you had your standards there. I don't know, man. I just, uh, it, it was very disheartening, the, the, but that's the nature of the beast. Can you imagine having these meetings discussing the pay-per-view, nobody having a great idea. And then you have an idea that you can either agree with or not. Nobody said shit with a mouthful. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, you're, you're all, it's just, it's just, it's basically not, I don't say leaked, but it's discussed in the locker room because here's the deal. The guys that were wrestlers on the booking committee wanted to make sure that their buddies in the, on the roster knew that they were not responsible for this hideous booking that Jr. came up with simple as that they did, they wanted to defer all the heat and not take any responsibility for what the team decided to do. Well, it wasn't me. Hey, oh no, no, no. It wasn't me, man. You know, I'm a genius. Then where was your fucking idea two weeks ago or three weeks ago? You had none. You'd have a goddamn idea, not a clue. You just came like a cabbage, all head, no rear end, nothing. So I don't know. I, it was, that's why I say having a booking committee with active participants on it that have a dog, have dogs in the hunt, worst, worst, uh, scenario that you could create. So we all know that sting and flair are supposed to face each other at wrestle war in 90, but sting blew his knee out. So they turn Luger back face very quickly out of nowhere. And then he loses and stings and stings place by count out. And you said in your book that Luger was heating up as an arrogant villain. And now we've sort of, as Aaron likes to say, cut his water off. Yep. He's flip-flopping. I'm a baby face. I'm a heel. I'm a baby face. I'm a heel. The only thing consistent is when he gets a sniff at flair in the world title, he comes up short. Yep. 
this is almost a theme throughout his career. It feels like they did this with him in the WWF too. Was it, what is it about Lex that, you know, this keeps coming up? Well, he, he wasn't, uh, Lex is not real political. Okay. To his credit. Uh, he didn't politic finishes and matches as, as much as, uh, some of his peers did. Uh, was it to his detriment that he's political to his yeah, probably, yeah. probably was probably yeah. was he needed to speak up more. Yeah. But that was, again, I told you earlier, we were not chatting about this. He was very, he's kind of an introverted guy. Yeah. You know, he could, he could be very quiet in the locker room and uh, maybe later on in his career, he got a little bit more vocal, felt more confident that he could carry an argument and, and, and justifiably so, but he was, uh, the last heel run I thought, as I wrote that slobber knocker under the black hat, that, uh, he was, uh, uh, getting close and then you can't turn that many times, man. Just kiss of death, a, a veteran wrestler, Conrad with, uh, an audience and a voice would not have gone for that shit. You think Ric Flair would have gone for it? No. Oh, you'll be base Satan. You're going to be a heel. You got to be a gladiator. Wear a ponytail, blah, blah, blah. No, huh? I, I might do it for a, a minute. I ain't doing that. And it didn't make any sense. So I, I, I felt badly for Lex in that regard. Lex Luger is a great example of a phenomenal looking talent. They got booked like shit more often than not. And I say that because the, the booking like shit line or theory for me is the fact that he kept getting, he kept changing personas. Yeah. I don't know if I'm supposed to like your ass Conrad or, or pay money to see you get your ass whipped. It was total confusion. It was, it was, uh, you know, just, it's more haze and, uh, and clutter and cloudiness than somebody smoking a joint in a, in a pickup truck. <laughs> Let's talk about, uh, Ole coming back. He comes back as a booker and it's reported that on March 23rd, Flair was supposed to lose the WCW title to Lex Luger at a house show in Chicago. They even have a film crew come along. Lance Russell is there. Chris Cruz is there. They're supposed to be covering the event, but allegedly, according to the rumor and innuendo, Flair vetoed it and said that he wasn't given enough notice uh, or time for this. Um, what do you make of this? Do you remember this being the case that Flair vetoed the, the title switch? I think he fairly did. It didn't have it. No, it did not happen. Oh, it didn't happen. Do you so think I'm... you said a minute ago that you didn't think Lex was political or maybe to his detriment? Did he have yeah. a, a, an issue with flair, not wanting to put him over or was he it... might've got, he might've got there, Connor. I'm sorry. He may have gotten there to that point because it happened a lot, a lot. Yeah. And, and, and maybe Lex didn't have the experience or the self-confidence to articulate his opinion. Uh, but golly, man. Uh, yeah, I don't know exactly where they were on all that stuff, but I think that probably Nate, uh, got some heat on him for that. Uh, from some, some of the guys and some of the younger guys are saying, you know, or is, or is there ever going to be that, that top spot going to be available for somebody else to try to get over? And, uh, but it is hard to, it's hard to make an argument, a negative argument about flair because he's the greatest of all time. And that's what you got with that deal. He was the greatest of all time. And, and 
And he was, and in that era, he, he was, he was, Flair should have been the baby face. Yeah. Flair should have been the baby face. And these, and then the young upstart Lex Luger, bigger, stronger, younger, blah, blah, blah. Could have then had his position in his run and you get Luger, a, a series of good wins. And at the final, final, you get into these single matches with the horsemen. And finally the old bounty type scenario where we're going to, we got to put this son of a bitch out because he's coming for Nate and uh, that's our bell cow. It's been so easily booked, but the politics just kept going back and forth and back and forth. And it just kept being more diluted, watered down. It wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. And it didn't help the company. Uh, when your when your main title is, is, uh, so tentative, tentatively booked short term booked. Doesn't make any sense. Well, we know that Ole was not a big fan of flares. And we also know that Luger had a little quote unquote heat. That's the rumor, uh, backstage based on his contract value. How much of those two things do you think played into flair wanting to dig his heels in the fact that Ole was back and he knew that Ole was not a fan of his and the fact that Luger supposedly had one of the richest contracts in wrestling and maybe flair took issue with that. I don't know that flair was making less money than Luger. Are you the, are you under the impression that Lex was getting paid more than Rick? No, I don't think so. But I am saying if he thought this guy's got the big contract and now they want to take the belt off me when I quote unquote made him, I ain't, yeah. for, I ain't doing that. But, but why wouldn't you want to do that? I don't know why I'm just saying, I'm trying to guess. No, I'm with, I'm yeah. With, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't know either. Yeah. Uh, because you, Rick would know that he's going to get it back. Right. Of course. And he, so you have the chance to make somebody to that next step. Uh, I think it would have been the way to go. The arrogant young Lex Luger heel beating flair works for me in in that particular era. (laughs) It's either that, or you need to just let Lex go because you've already devalued the shit out of it. So if you're not going to use him, then, and you're going to pay that big money to keep him for what, right? He's got to be in the main, it's a salary structure that you've established for him. You've got to, you're, you're almost obligated as a company person to make sure that Luger is being utilized so that he has the best chance to earn his downside guarantee. And I don't know that that was, that happened that often for Lex, at least for that length of time. Let's talk a little bit about what's next. Unfortunately, it's bad news for Luger. He's got a serious injury issue. It's going to lead to a staph infection. He's going to come off all the shows until the big pay-per-view where once again, he's in the main event against Ric Flair, but next verse, same as the first Luger wins, but by DQ, the belt does not change hands. Now here's what makes this even more complicated. This DQ win happens in a damn steel cage match. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's, 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 it's ridiculous. They kept looking for ways to take the chief out and now they're going to whore up the, the, the cage scenario. Right. Makes no sense. Conrad. It's just, the more we talk about this, it's like when you, when cumulatively, when all these points that you're making and they're and they're it's all historic it's all documented. Uh, you know, the more you hear about it, it's like, what were we thinking? 
And this is wrestling politics at its very, very best. Ole's a booker. He doesn't like the champion. The champion doesn't want to lose his place. Uh, and the guy that's the kind of the third guy out of this equation is is a challenger. And so I don't know. I, I, it's amazing that, uh, I can see why we were not drawing any money and that we weren't doing well in WCW in that particular point in time. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, what Luger is going to be successful with, and that's his U S title run 523 days, the longest reign of any U S champion ever through all the incarnations. And then ultimately he drops it to Stan Hansen and then gets it right back. You and I are both big Stan Hansen fans. <clears throat> what do you think of the, uh, Stan Hansen Lex Luger matches? Uh, well, it was kind of cruel booking. Stan had his way with Lex. Stan was old school. You know, I, I don't mind. He, Stan would, did not like doing jobs, but who does? Uh, and he also had his territory in Japan that he's trying to protect. And the media of course is going to purport losses and all that other stuff. But Stan was, a, was pretty rugged on Lex. Uh, I think it was at Starcade or something. It was a pay-per-view. We had what, what, the black scorpion show. It's then the St. Louis at the keel, uh, the black Scorpion was in the main event against Stane. early on that card or as, uh, uh, what's Walter Winch would say earlier that night in the yeah. gangland hideout of Elliot Ness, that type deal, it was Lex Luger and Stan. And the idea that we came up with, it was to be a bull rope match. And the bull they're tied. They're joined at the wrist by separate ends of a bull rope or strap or whatever the hell it was. And you had to touch all four corners to win. So that way we escape by using the stipulation. Luger finally succeeded in touching all four turnbuckle top turnbuckles and therefore won the match and Stan didn't have to lose by submission, which was never going to happen or pinfall. So, uh, it was a tough booking for Lex. Now it looked great on paper, you know, and Hanson getting the, the theory was, well, Hanson wins a close one, wins the title. He'll like that. He gives Luger a, a automatic re return type thing. Another match on a, on a pay-per-view and a main event level, which should help him make a little bit more cash. And, uh, so there he went. So, uh, but it was rugged and Stan was. But Stan didn't do it because he didn't like Lex Conrad. He did it because that's the way Stan works. He beats the shit out of people and he got over doing that. And, uh, that's why a lot of guys love working with Stan, even though when he was coming across the ring to deliver that lariat and his eyesight was so poor, you're scared to death that he's going to hit you right in the nose or something like that. I've heard that story. It's funnier than hell guys. Here he comes and I hope he sees my head. Or he knows where to hit me or whatever. <clears throat> so I, I don't know, man. I think that I, I, I liked it. I didn't have a problem with it, but, uh, but I know that Stan took it some liberties, uh, with Luger and laid his stuff in. And, and he, if you go back and look at that match, oh, Stan beat the holy shit out of Lex, that strap. God almighty. He's like whipping a government mule, man. He beat the dog shit out of it. So, but there again, you go back to the concept Well, you got to. If you're going to have a win, 
in, in basically in Hanson's match, so to speak, it wasn't, but we said it was, then that's what you're going to get. You know, we booked it and Stan executed it and Luger was a victim of some, uh, uh, some, uh, abuse, I guess you'd say it's just old school wrestling is what it was. Well, let's talk about, uh, what's next for him here. Uh, we should mention that when Nikita comes back to feud with Luger, he, some reason switches right away to sting. Do you recall why that was? I mean, it feels like he's here to focus on Lex. I mean, he even attacks him in his return, but then very quickly it goes right into sting. Any, any, any recollection of why that would have been more indecisive booking. More mixed opinions on Lex. Uh, you know, I, I always thought that once we got to the Luger sting level match, that Lex would feel more comfortable. I think the, the friendship was good between the two. They communicated well, in other words, uh, but I thought that, that their chemistry would probably been one of the better things that could have happened to Luger and the sting for that matter. Sting was a better worker and more advanced, but I thought that the chemistry between the two would equate to some really good one-on-one matches. Let's talk a little bit about Luger's big crowning moment. He finally becomes world champion, but it's when Ric Flair's not here. Of course, Ric Flair and Jim Hurd's feud came to a head. Flair walks out, takes the belt with him. So great American bash is going to be a bit of a change instead of it being Luger and Flair for the 900th time. Now it's Luger and Wyndham and uh, Luger gets the win in 12 minutes and 25 seconds. And we should mention he does so as a heel. He's got Harley race with him. Uh, he's got Mr. Hughes with him. The match is what it is, but fans that night were more concerned with. We want flair chance. It's regarded this great American bash, uh, from 1991 in Baltimore as being one of the worst pay-per-view shows ever, but it's not necessarily like any of this is Lex's fault. Uh, the story that, that has maintained as you and I have told us today is Lex, while he may not have been the best wrestler was not a political person was doing his job, was trying to get better and had a lot of stop and start booking some, some questionable creative and was never given the opportunity to be champ. And when he does, boy, it goes over like a turd in a punch bowl. And again, not exactly his fault. It's a tough spot to be in for Lex. Unread, have you ever seen a turd in a punch bowl? No, but I know that, uh, descriptor. I learned it in church of all places. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. And then of course we all learned about it went over like a fart in church. Coincidentally. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fart in church is one of my favorites. Yeah. Especially those wooden pews. Cause you may think you got a squeaker and then the audience finds out oh, you had something different. It reverberates. Yeah. I'll cross that. It wood. echoes throughout the, uh, the hallowed halls of, of our, our sanctuary. I learned the hard way, I guess in 92, 93. Yeah. <laughs> That'll get on you. Uh, oh yeah. Um, you know, again, it's just mumbled, fumbled, jumbled craziness, man. And we gotta, we gotta do our, we gotta do, do or get off the pot. And, you know, you just said a while ago, uh, about Luger finally wins the title, but he wins against Barry Wyndham, who we've espoused Barry's greatness. But to say that Barry was more over than Rick as the champion not sure. would be a lie. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can conclusively say that would not be true. So, so now Lex is finally the champion, 
but it's somewhat of a watered down version because nobody in the WCW past, present, whenever was more associated with the top championship than Ric Flair, but Lex didn't get that, that, uh, luxury. So, you know, it's, it's too bad. He, again, like I said, Luger's booking was far from ideal. And, and I've often said that if he had loved the business more, it probably would have come up. It might've been, it might've solved a problem because he'd have been the squeaky wheel does get greased more often than not, but that was not the case. He was getting paid a lot of money. And, uh, I think that was his primary motivator because how could you become emotionally invested in, in, in this weak ass weaker and cat piss booking. And by the way, cat piss is weak. Mm, didn't know that weaker than cat piss. It's a new shirt at box of gimmicks.com. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so anyway, uh, I, I think Luger that, that at some point was just kind of, let me finish out here as best I can before I get to work for Vince. Cause this, this journey has not been good. Well, and the booking's just bad. I mean, even Meltzer would write of this match, you know, where he finally does become world champion. Wyndham was distracted by Hughes and race told Luger to do it. Talking about the pile driver, uh, Luger gave Wyndham a pile driver and pinned him after the match. Luger left with race and Hughes, although nobody knew it, Luger did turn heel. So, you know, people these days talk about the big shows, WWE run that he turned, you know, baby face and heel more than anybody. But gosh, Lex Luger was sort of the, the forerunner for that here in WCW. I mean, there's a lot of stop and starts, good guy, bad guy. And it continues afterwards. He's got a program with Ron Simmons and you and I absolutely love Ron Simmons, Yeah, but he's not even going to be the guy to help anoint Ron Simmons. Ron Simmons is fresh off of a doom run. We've known him as a tag team wrestler, and now we're putting him in a main event against Lex Luger for the world title. And we do it in a questionable fashion. Hey, we offer him the role to join the entourage, but as a chauffeur, it's the worst kind of heat. It's just bad creative after bad creative here for Lex. Mother's day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones. Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast. Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... How to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Yeah, well, it's racially charged. That shit never works. No. And it certainly doesn't work in today's market. It should have never worked. <laughs> I remember one time being on a car trip with McMahon, uh, your boy, Brucey and Pat Patterson and, and maybe cowboy when he was there at WWE or in another car, I got assigned to ride with Vince so we could talk business and under the auspices of talking business. And the bottom line was 
uh, the other guys just didn't want to ride with Vince because uh, they knew that he wasn't going to let them up. We continued to talk about business until we get to our hotel, to the next town, wherever it may be. Uh, but I, I, Vince and I were talking about how black wrestlers were treated. And I said, you don't have to look any farther than, their, than the names that the white promoters gave them. Bobo, Porkchop, you know, whatever it makes some, you know, Bearcat, you know, Rufus R. They're all so blatant, blatantly racial, uh, that in my view, but you're not going to change the system because the, the big decision makers were not men of are women of color. They were generally alpha Caucasian males who grew up in a society where the black athlete was not respected and they sure as hell were going to get a big push because of their skin color, which is embarrassing as hell. Sad. So anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, I just thought the booking, you know, we, we've talked about this so much on the show that it's just bad booking, man. It's just, and again, as Lex was more emotionally invested into what he did for a living, that was my, all always been one of my, if I have to have a gripe or a complaint or speak of something that I perceive to be somewhat negative, it might've been Lex's, uh, uh, emotional commitment to the business. And I can also see to his defense, Conrad, how could you be excited about the fucking business? Right. You're, you're, I'm a good guy. I'm a bad guy. I, I get to the big match and I always lose. Well, it don't take many of those get to the big match and losing to where you're defeated. You're done. Yeah. Perception is reality at that juncture. We should mention him and Ron Simmons, uh, really exceeded all expectations. They got a three and a half star from Dave Meltzer at Halloween havoc. It was a two out of three falls match. Um, Meltzer would say this match was quite a strong argument point for the two out of three fall match concept, because technically it was nothing special, but the three falls gave them a chance to do a storyline that made it a very good match. So they over delivered just as we knew, you know, Ron Simmons would, when he had an opportunity in the main events, but not long after this. This is crazy to me. Such a WCW story. Luger's number of dates on his contract for that year, pretty much run out. How does this go unnoticed in WCW? So the concept just for everyone listening at home is, Hey, Mr. Luger, we're going to book you for, we'll call it a hundred dates this year. And we're going to pay you X amount of dollars. Well, they've used him so often on house shows and TV tapings and appearances and matches that they're out of dates, but we're not out of year. So the calendar's still going, but we've used him up. So now we've got to come to some new agreement. What do you remember about this? A total disorganization. That's what happens when you got a committee of people and nobody's doing the basics. Uh, nobody's taking responsibility for monitoring dates. And, uh, this was a, another brick in the wall. Thank you. Pink Floyd. Uh, that, uh, just was typical, pretty much typical. I'd like to say, oh, I was shocked. I wasn't shocked. I wasn't shocked at any of the stupid things that, that arose there, but you, you don't have your champion on a limited date schedule, 
uh, based on your contract negotiations prior to him being champion, when you knew that you're signing him for that big money to be the champion, you don't limit the dates of your champion or you come to a more compatible conclusion of dates and you monitor them and no, it's like having a pitch count. Oh, I thought you had the pitch count Conrad. No, I didn't have it. I was at the water fountain. Uh, I ain't me. I didn't do it. It's not my fault. It's not my job. So we are, I heard a lot of that in those meetings. Not my job. What is your fucking job? That's what I'm wondering. Tell me what your job is. <clears throat> so anywho, that's, it was just not, it was stupid. I mean, it's so many things happened there in that company and a lot of its leadership, a lot of its organization, too many personal agendas from too many people that had a vested interest in what those decisions were going to equate to not good. Uh, let's talk about, uh, Rick Steiner. Uh, there's a rumor going around Meltzer would write. There was serious consideration giving last week to putting the WCW belt on Rick Steiner at the clash. Apparently Luger's contract running March to March specifies a certain number of live dates and he'd been booked so heavily over the first eight months of the year that at his present pace, whatever the number is, he'd reach it by the end of the year. So in order to keep him working the major towns until the new fiscal year, of the contract Luger's being pulled from all the smaller shows. I'm not sure if this relates to that same clause or the calls clause regarding his contract being valid for the U S and Canada. But he also refused to work the England tour since it wasn't covered by his contract. And there was heat regarding that boy. If Lex has not been a political animal, he's figuring it out now. Is he not? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't do himself any favors again. He already had jealousy heat from the locker room. And, uh, as a result of that, uh, he didn't do himself any favors, Conrad, by not going to the boys on this tour when he was being pushed so heavily and so prominently on television, it was going to hurt the business. Yeah. And guys could sort can you nuts not make these, how many dates are going to do over there? We're not, we're not going to do what handful. Does it really matter? Uh, and it would have helped It mattered a lot. Sure. It mattered, but Lex, uh, like you said, he, he started kind of getting it and he, and he had this contract to stand on. It was a commitment that, that WCW made hell. They wrote the contract. They wrote it, but they didn't adhere to it. They wrote it, put it beside, didn't pay more attention to it. All that, uh, and at that, there's one run there or one time point in time where as long as Lex was getting paid those nice, healthy checks, he was pretty cool. But then all of a sudden he saw how things were going creatively and how his brand was being lessened and devalued. And that's not good for any talent. What is it about WCW? They can't just keep their contracted WCW champion happy. You know, whether it's Luger or it's, it's flair, there's always some sort of issue with the top guy and they continue here for Lex. David Wright. nearly Politics, an, buddy. nearly an ultimate disaster on Monday as Lex Luger quit the promotion in protest because WCW fired Harley race. The last word I heard is that everything has been worked out. Although Luger did miss the November 25th TV tapings in Macon, Georgia, because it wasn't resolved in time. So two points here. Do you remember a, why WCW let Harley race go and B why was Lex so hot about it? Well, he felt, uh, Harley was an ally. Yeah. And 
what better mentor could a wrestler have in Lex's skill level and his age, his experience level than Harley race who had done it all, seen it all had worked at the traveling NWA champion had worked with every ham and egger that got over to little territory and the little territory got so many dates on the champion a year and Harley had to come in and make these guys look like they're came this close to becoming a champion. And hence that's why so many broadways were, were ongoing. The local guy could not be beat. He's not going to win the title. They want you to think he's going to win the title, but that was up to Harley. So Harley was this savant. He Harley had it. He had, he had it. I think Lex found somebody that he could depend on and rely on that wasn't so, uh, political. And so I think that was the, the reason for it. I admire Lex for standing up for Harley. And I'm assuming that the reason that Harley got cut at that time was financial. It wasn't like he's making a million a year, right? But it's just a matter of the, you know, looking at the losses and all that stuff and who's, who's expendable, who isn't well, really Harley wasn't expendable, but, uh, a lot of guys thought so apparently, and uh, it was just not a good deal. I thought it was a bad decision. Quite frankly, you can't get too many Harley races on your roster in your locker room. He helps other guys. And, uh, so I'm a big, uh, but I'm a Harley race fan. I'm not real objective there, but I didn't see any reason that you, you get rid of one of the greatest wrestlers of all time who can coach and mentor and not bullshit. And maybe that was the reason he got let go because he, he knew more about the business than most anybody in our company. And he wasn't going to be bullshitted. And if Luger's his guy and the better Luger did, the better Harley did, then Harley was going to make sure he tried to protect his investment. And I think Lex saw that as well. So it was just not smart. You know, can you just leave it alone? We're getting close to Luger Conrad. We're getting close here. He's getting, he's getting more settled. He's more comfortable with Harley and all of a sudden, well, let's screw this up again. What can we do? Oh, I know let's just fire Harley. That'll piss Lex off. I don't know if that thought process actually was in place, but it sounds like it was. Well, it's coming to a head here. We should mention Sting and Lex win the lethal lottery, respective battle Royals and meeting a singles match to end Starcade. And then Sting tosses Lex Luger out to begin their real build to their singles match at super brawl two. But on the way there, something happens. According to the observer, Lex Luger officially gave notice to WCW that he'd be finishing up at the February 29th pay-per-view show. Luger's three-year contract with WCW expires March of 93, but he's expected to be given a limited release, which would allow him to wrestle during the final year of his contract in Japan, but not in the U S which would legally put a block on him going to the WWF until spring 93 Luger isn't scheduled to work any house shows or television tapings for the remainder of this month. I don't have details on February scheduling it, although it would be expected Luger wouldn't work any house shows except Milwaukee, but he would work some TV tapings for shows that would air prior to the pay-per-view. This lends to the rumor, which was emphatically denied by Vince McMahon, that Luger was quitting his estimated $600,000 a year contract and base salary and a $25,000 pay-per-view event bonus to join the world bodybuilding federation for one year and then have a wrestling angle shot and segue into the WWF. So this is pretty crazy, especially when after all of this, by the way, Jim Hurd leaves. So our, one of our top guys is on the way out. He's given notice 
and you know, the guy who's been supposedly steering the ship, Jim Hurd, he's leaving too. At this point, are you wondering shit? Maybe I should update my resume. <laughs> no, I don't. I wasn't quite there. I was it's that it, it's to say that if Vince had coveted me as much as he did Lex, uh, I might've certainly considered cause it was just a cluster at uh, WCW at that time. And that gets old because sometimes you're, you're doing the same work two or three times because creative plans change. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the, I, the first uh, one thing I want to refer back to, I'm not sure Luger was making 600 K really. No. Okay. Uh, that's that number surprised me a little bit. Now, is it possible? Of course it's possible. I just don't think it's very likely, but in any event that, uh, world bodybuilding federation was the way out. It was the way around it. Uh, and it would have been just as easy, quite frankly, Conrad, you got a guy that didn't want to be there. You tried everything in the world, apparently to get him over and to utilize his skills and it didn't work. So the company failed, the company failed. They're producing these shows. They're booking these matches. They're creating the, the creative. So I'm a big believer that, uh, and, and to have look at it again, and a guy wanted to leave, I'm a little different than a lot of guys. Uh, I, I let him go, right? Let him go. Be happy. Cause that spreads to the lock. You said, well, you open the door now. Hey, you got to understand you're opening the door. We ain't got to do it for everybody. It's cause it's not a democracy, but the guy had been there, you know, your flawed booking had screwed him around. He, he, he did everything pretty much that he needed to do prior to that, but it's so CO wrestling war macho thing and the alpha male bullshit. And Vince just outsmarted him again with the WBF deal. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and catch you up where we are. It's uh Lex and sting at super brawl two, and they go 13 minutes and one second. Of course, Lex is the champ, but he's leaving. So sting wins and Meltzer would say Luger was so huge. He looked like a, a member of a different species. If it hadn't been confirmed already, this officially confirms Luger joining the WBF. They spent the two minutes, the first two minutes, pretending they were doing a silent movie by standing there doing nothing. Then they started working and the near 300 pound Luger blew up within two minutes. The match was kept simple and it did have interest, but it was a long way from a classic title change match. Luger controlled the match, pretty much playing Superman, even not selling a sting or splash sting did get Luger in the torture rack. Uh, sting kicked out of Luger's pile driver and the finish came out of nowhere with sting decking Harley race and pinning Luger with a cross body block Luger and sting shook hands and embrace after the match, but on television, they switched to a crowd shot. So the folks at home didn't see it star and a half. what do you think about Luger's swan song here in WCW? Just get me out of town. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm down. Count me out. Let's go. And Lex had no issues putting over staying again. Like I said, they were business partners or friends or contemporaries. Uh, but I think at that point in time, you know, he knew that his, he had a new business address pending. And I think that, uh, the smart way of doing that is just got to have a nice match at let make Luger strong as hell. So when sting beats him, it means something more it's enhanced and, uh, you know, I, 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 it's just, it's just a smooth way out of town. 
So that's kind of what I think about that. I, I, it was the only thing to do. And I thought those guys, you know, they didn't have a great match, but you know, I'm not saying that nobody phoned it in, but just, I always thought that Lex and Sting would have had better chemistry, but they apparently didn't. And I think part of that is again, uh, Lex as a heel needed to understand the nuances of ring psychology, uh, was a little bit iffy and, uh, but they got through it and, you know, it accomplished a couple of things, got Lex on his road out of there and it got staying a title. So, uh, because if it hadn't been a flare, it's always going to be staying it more, more often than not. But, uh, as the Lex experiment proves out. Well, we know that, um, this is the end of him in WCW, at least for a little while, he's going to go learn a new hold. As you like to say, <laughs> how, how much of his, uh, I don't know, disappointing WCW run. I guess that's maybe the best way to categorize it is, is his fault in terms of what could he have done differently? I mean, we've sort of addressed, he could have maybe stood up for himself a little more politically if, if he had it to do over again, and I know you're, you're not trying to put words in his mouth. What advice would you give him of, of how he could have changed what happened in WCW or, or become what? more emotionally invested in your persona? Okay. Take ownership of your brand. You're an independent contractor. Protect yourself by making your brand as strong as it possibly can be. Uh, so that's what I would say. It's not being coming a dressing room lawyer, right? Is it's the old term cliche kicked around so often. It's just a matter of being more aware of your surroundings and how those surroundings affect you as a independent contractor. So I think becoming more emotionally invested in his TV persona and his professional career would have been the best advice I could have given him. Of course, we know the WBF is going to be a, uh, a total failure. Did you ever see any of it? I mean, out of curiosity, since you knew Vince was involved, did you tune into any? I think I watched, I, I think it was on Saturday mornings. I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I'm sure that out of curiosity, I checked it out a few times. Uh, I know that I did, but to, as to say, I'm a regular viewer. No, not really. Uh, even though those bodybuilders and guys like me and you have a lot in common. Oh, sure. You know, we're genetically freaks. And, of course. Everybody knows um, that. Everybody knows it. I didn't want to just throw it out there, but I threw it out there. So, uh, that'd be a good t-shirt. Two jacked up guys with your head and my head on it. I, I'm sure. I'm sure that he's working on it right now <laughs> at boxagimmicks.com. But listen, the next time you see uh, him, uh, him being Lex pronouns, pal, uh, it's going to be WrestleMania nine, your WWF right. debut. You're sort of coming out party. And, um, we're going to pick up part two of Lex Luger right there because the Lex Luger story is not just his WCW run and Oh. You know, his start, but we've got one hell of a run here with the Lex express and all of that involved, uh, with an interesting time, not only in his life, but your life. And we're going to pick up where we left off in July, just in time for the 4th of July. Uh, but next week we're going to be doing something totally different. We'll be fresh off of a big pay-per-view. Uh, if you haven't already make plans to join Jr. and Tony and the rest of the crew in Jacksonville this weekend, double or nothing, man. Not at yep. some capacity, but sold out, hanging from the rafters. You're going to have an ass every 18 inches. Wrestling <laughs> is back. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, me too. And the other thing too, is remember, uh, 
due to the NBA playoffs on TNT, uh, dynamite airs on Friday night this week. That's right. So that'll be your last look at what we're our, the old proverbial go home show before the pay-per-view, which historically for every company I've ever worked for the, their last, uh, broadcast prior to a pay-per-view is, uh, intentionally loaded and building to that event. So, uh, dynamite on TNT on, on Friday night this week. And then it leads us into this Sunday, both events at Daly's place, both events still have tickets available. We are going to have a big crowd. Uh, I think we're going to have a surprisingly big crowd on Friday night. Cause I think more people are going to be willing to get out for that, uh, family price ticket and they don't have school the next day type thing, you know, uh, for kids, uh, and Friday night's just a more entertainment friendly night than Wednesday night. Sometimes for some families, some people. So that's kind of what we're looking for this week. It's going to be a very exciting week. You know, we're all going to be ready to do our best and, uh, it's the cards loaded, you know, uh, the, I, I have, I have no idea what's going to steal the show. Uh, but I know that the, uh, stadium stampede match on Sunday is going to be phenomenal. Um, uh, cause last year they got to do as good as we did last year on that event. And I thought that match when I first heard it, I don't want to say I was skeptical, but I can't think of a better word. I was a little leery that we're going to be able to pull it off on the football field and all around the stadium. They did a phenomenal job of that. Yeah, they did. It's a great uh, spectacle attraction. So I expect that to be really good. Uh, and you got two of the bright minds and, uh, or more than that, you got several bright minds involved in that match, including the aforementioned Tully Blanchard and of course, Chris Jericho and MJF and all those guys. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I think, uh, Omega's match with pop pack is how I've been told to say it pack and, uh, orange is going to be really good. Cause you got three hellacious performers in there. Oh yeah. Uh, I think that's going to be good. I'm looking forward to Britt Baker and, uh, Hikaru Shida. I think that's going to be a, a really, uh, compelling match. So, uh, and the tag titles Moxley, gosh, Moxley and, uh, Kenny, or excuse me, uh, Eddie Kingston, I guess young bucks, very, very much a contrast in styles, but two very, very good teams. Uh, in a big marquee spot, they'll be given plenty of time to tell their story, which I love. So, uh, it's going to be a big weekend for wrestling for AEW. I'm, I'm pumped up about it Friday night on TNT and Sunday night on, uh, on pay-per-view. And then, uh, the following morning, I get, that'll be Memorial day. Conrad and I are going to take one for the team and not turn our grills on for just a little while Yeah, and, and record another show so that. We can talk about the go home show on Friday and, and of course, subsequently the pay-per-view on Sunday. So it'll be very current, uh, next week. So tell that to your buddies. We appreciate that. And, uh, I also appreciate you, uh, checking out jrsbbq.com. We are in the midst of the grilling season. Uh, we're doing some exciting things there, Conrad. You know, we, we are going to have red S JR hot sauce. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. It's happening. And, uh, I'm, I'm in the process of looking at labels and certainly if any of, I may talk to you about this off camera, but if any of your talented crew want to take a shot at 
at a label artwork. Let's, let's do it. I'm interested. Uh, cause it really born from the show. Uh, and I've been wanting to do a hot sauce for years. I think we finally found the company that could do it for us. And, uh, I also am finding, uh, a new, uh, manufacturer distributor for, for the seasoning. You know, it's amazing how the seasoning thing works. They can do like a forensic study of the ingredients and then they can replicate it. Wow. So I want to tweak my, uh, just a tad, not much. You want, I don't think we'd be able to taste it. And I'm going to do a new, uh, we have a new manufacturer for the, uh, all purpose seasoning rub, whatever the hell you want to call it. And we think that's going to solve all of our delivery issues. We just couldn't keep it in stock. You know, it's so funny that you say that Jim, this past weekend, I had, uh, uh several grilling sessions and, and some folks hanging out here and there. And somebody had heard us talk about the seasoning enough that they tried it on literally everything. <laughs> and of course there was some alcohol flowing and somebody pokes up and says, damn, this JR seasoning, this shit's good on broccoli. It's good on everything. <laughs> it's broccoli. good on everything. I don't know yeah. that I would have thought to put it on broccoli, but they did. And they dug it. There's something for everybody over there though. My group chat is obsessed with the Chipotle ketchup and the main event mustard. Of course, if you're a barbecuer, you got two different flavors. You could check out. You got hot and original and stay tuned. It sounds like hot sauce is coming soon. It's all over at jrsbbq.com. And I'm, I'm excited to talk about this. It's not just here in America. Now you can actually pick the different currencies you're shipping all over the place. Yeah. And it's challenging. You know, it's, uh, COVID didn't do any of us any favors in any area. And when you're trying to ship food products abroad, man, you're met with a zillion obstacles. And some of, sometimes they don't even want to listen. I had a guy, it's, uh, we shipped some stuff to Canada the other day. And, and of course the Canadian government, uh, as all governments do nailed him with some, uh, you know, some charges coming in the company country country. And, uh, I felt bad for the guy cause it, it ran his, t- his tab up, but he said, but it's all worth it. So I, I love that. And I wish it was different, man. I, all the fans in the UK and Australia that listened to our show and, and, uh, you know, I wish we could make it easier for everybody. Right. But until COVID issues are continuing to be addressed, it's, by the way, did you get your shots? I did. Yes, sir. Good to go. Both of them. Yes, sir. Oh, good for you. Me too. I'm happy to hear that. My two little granddaughters got their first shots last week. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. And they're one just graduated high school and the other one would be a sophomore this year. Uh, she's a ninth grader now. So, uh, I'm happy for them for doing that. That took a little courage. It wasn't cool, but they got their shots and, and, uh, I don't want to think I influenced. I don't think their mother did. She's an ill, she's a licensed physician assistant. So she had to get vaccinated a long time. ago. So, uh, anyway, uh, I wish we could do better on the international shipping, but it's just, some things are out of our control. Totally. You can get them, but be prepared. What I would do is order more Yep. and, and share the order with some of your buddies Yep. and defer some of the costs might be an idea. But in any event, it's, it is what it is. And we just appreciate the business. I think of Jan kind of probably have a little smile on her face. You know, that our crazy ass idea is starting to work. It's just hard to build a business in the COVID it's hard. And, you know, we're, but we have interest now on some restaurants and chains and just that, that, and the other. So it's growing, but still the bottom line is digital online business. 
and it's working out good. And we, we, we try to do a good job on customer service and shipping and packing and timeliness and all those things. So it's all good, man. And we got this, I think we, we may be sold out close to it of all those cookbooks. You know, we found those cookbooks in a, yeah. in a, in a hidey hole type deal and unopened, unopened cases of books. First edition of those, the JR's cookbooks with Trish and, uh, Stacy Keever on the cover with yours truly. And so it was, a, that was a fun shoot Yeah, at our house. As a matter of fact, all those pictures are at, or at Jan and my house, uh, there in, uh, in Norwalk, Connecticut at that time. So it's all a family thing, Conrad, you know, that stuff. I'm a big family guy and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I've upset some people about my, some of my opinions on here, but I gotta be honest. Yeah. That's all. It's not a vendetta. It's not to have a, Hey, look at me. I'm going to be contrarian. No, right. it's just, it's an opinion. That's all. And look, Conrad is a bottom line. It's about fucking pro wrestling. Yes. Are you shitting me? I think that big a deal. No, we love it. Yeah. But other than that, man, you know, chill, chill out a little bit. So, and if any of my peers have issues with me, you all got my number. <laughs> well, we hope we got your number next week. Cause we're going to be talking about mankind's 1997. Of course, we talked about his 96 on April 1st. We're going to be back just a couple of months later. To pick up where we left off, don't forget 97 is where mankind started to evolve. Shall we say he does that series of sit down interviews with our pal, Jim Ross. That doesn't exactly go JR's way, but before you know it, we, we get introduced to dude love and uh, cactus Jack comes back. The three faces of Foley are born. It is quite the story. And I can't wait to talk about mankind. 97. I love it. I think 97 is one of my favorite years in wrestling. And knowing that we're going to talk about one of my favorite performers next week is going to be fun. In two weeks, we'll be back, uh, doing an old school talking about Magnum TA on June 17th. We'll talk about King of the ring, 1996. And boy, am I looking forward to this? We'll round out the month of June talking about your old great friend, Mr. Terry funk. Uh, it's going to be a fun month here on grill and JR. Great topics, great, colorful characters, some phenomenal stories, memories, things of that nature. Uh, just, I can't wait. Uh, you guys, you Conrad pick out great topics. Somebody says, JR, do this show, do that show. You know, look, Conrad's a booker. <laughs> you got problems with this shit. Blame him. You yeah. Know, I don't absolutely. want to take any, I don't want to take any responsibility. Well, that would be the wrestling way except responsibility for something one said. So, uh, but we got some good stuff lined up and next week we'll have a full report because I know Conrad, you're going to watch the Oh, Double or nothing. Not going to miss it. No. And so you and I will have that to talk about. It'll be fresh. Uh, when we record, it'll be just a few hours, you know, prior yeah. or after rather I'm saying. So it should be a fun, uh, big month, man. We got a lot of good stuff coming up and it wouldn't work if we didn't have the loyal audience that we have and people are giving us five-star reviews and all those things that are important that, you know, sometimes we all overlook. So, uh, and, and, and Conrad's company is the ad free aspect of what Conrad does is growing exponentially. So I'm glad everybody's doing a good job. You know, I get ribbed about Jarrett <laughs> uh, and I'm happy for Jeff. What the fuck he, you know, the better he does, the better I do. That's right. And same goes for Kurt, Arn and Tony and Eric. 
Have I missed anybody? That's a good cast and crew, but yeah, it is funny that so many people have gravitated to thinking that there's some perceived heat with you and Jeff. Like you guys haven't worked together since then. I mean, it's, I guess it's fun and it is fun clickbait stuff, but at the end of the day, we're all on the same team, Bubba. And it's all That's at it. adfreeshows.com. You get all these shows we're talking about early and ad free. We hope if you like what we're doing, you'll support us there. If for whatever reason, it's not in the budget, I get it. Throw us a five-star review if you can and tell your friends about your new favorite podcast. And don't forget to tune in this Friday night. That's tomorrow night. Uh, and you're going to get to see a brand new dynamite on TNT. And of course this weekend, it's all about double or nothing, baby. And we'll yep. be back next week right here with mankind 1997 as the topic on deck for grilling JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Thank you, Conrad heavy on the mister and folks be sure to check out, uh, those, uh, uh, sessions. What's that called? Conrad studio sessions. I forgot studio to mention sessions. that. Yeah. We're dropping a new episode every single week of your old radio show from WSB. I think Paul Heyman's been up there so far. And of course we had Bobby Heenan, so much more to come, including the macho man, Randy Savage. It's a lot of fun and it's exclusively available at adfreeshows.com. That's a, that's a double dose of nostalgia. JR. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. And, and hearing everybody's voice, how our voices change, yeah. the tone and all that, you know, it's just a, I've had time to drink more crown Royal. And you got me spoiled that goddamn good crown roll. You bastard. <laughs> I can, now I don't even want, now I feel like I'm slumming. If I drank a regular crown Royal, I got to have the good stuff. It's not as good. Is it? No. Uh-uh. Hey, all, all this, this just needs a cube of ice. Yeah. And sip it. You know, no chug a lug. Ain't yeah. drinking diet Mountain Dew, Ricky Bobby. Right. So it's all good though. So we're living a good life, Conrad and the fans that are watching this and supporting us are, are responsible for that. And I, I certainly am grateful. Appreciate it. It's a, it's a great rebound rebound from where I was four years ago, but Jan passed life has gotten really good. And I'm very grateful and I'm always going to be grateful. So it's good stuff, man. We're glad to hear it. And we're glad to have you. And we'll be glad to have you next week right here on grill and JR. Thanks everybody. We'll see you next. Thanks everybody. Appreciate you. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.